Good morning. Um, for those of you who do not know who I am, um, I'm Sherry. Um, I'm one of the staff pastors here at Hyde, and I am so excited to be sharing the word with you. Um, if you've been with us over the past month, we've been going through a, ser- a series, Once Upon a Time. Um, if you are new here and you have no idea what that's about, let me tell you. Uh, we've been looking at stories in the Old Testament, and I love the Old Testament. I feel that it's so rich, and there is so much that we can learn about God through the Old Testament. We can learn about how he interacts with his people. We can see how he pursues them, how he leads them, how um, he empowers them for the missions that he gives them. And there's lots of life lessons that we can learn from the people that have come centuries before us. And this morning we're going to be looking in Daniel chapter 3, and before we dig in, um, I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, I, it would be, I don't want to assume that everyone knows the book of Daniel, and everyone knows the characters in uh, the story we're going to be talking about. Um, so let me introduce you to some of our characters. King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon. He was not a king that feared God. He served lots of gods. Um, And if you were to go to chapter 1 in the book of Daniel, you will see that he sieged Jerusalem. And he pillaged the town, and he took from the temple of God and placed it among his temple, his gods, his small g-o-d. And in doing so, he took captive many young men. And so he asked his advisors, I want to have some young men come into my regular staff of advisors. And he gave them a certain criteria that these young men had to meet. To meet. And there were four men that were chosen. We're going to be talking three, about three of those four men. A Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, now, let me just tell you that their names were changed in chapter 1, and I'm thankful because their names are a lot easier to say. So, uh, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were they were Jews. They were God-fearing Jews. And God had given them favor in the king's, under the king's leadership. Uh, and so that they became personal advisors of King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, as we've been telling you, as we've been telling, giving you these stories, we're encouraging you to read the, the stories that are around it. There's so much richness, 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 I can't talk. So I would encourage you to read the book of Daniel to, that, so you can learn more about King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and the three men we're talking about today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we are going to go uh, into Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 23. So if you would like to follow me, uh, feel free. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the prince, prefects, governors, advisors, counselors, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officers to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. When all the officials had arrived and were standing before the image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zithra, lyre, harp, pipes, and other instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace." So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the statue that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But 
some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They have defied your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance. If you bow down and worship the statue I've made, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all will be well. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. What God will be able to rescue you from my power then? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, your majesty, can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his... Sorry... Then he ordered some of his strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully clothed. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leapt out and killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell down into the roaring flames. So let's recap this story. It's quite long, and I don't want any of you to have lost focus and have no idea what's happening. So here we are. King Nebuchadnezzar built this really large gold statue. It's not of himself. It's just a gold statue. And he commands everyone to bow down and worship it whenever they hear the the music instruments. And anyone that refuses to bow down has to be thrown into a blazing furnace. Can we just say that this king is a little extreme? He has some issues, definitely. Um, So when he heard that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused, he confronted them. And they still refused after that confrontation. And he became so angry that his face was distorted with rage. Can we just think about that for a minute? Distorted with rage. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some angry people in my day, and they're, I mean, they're not pretty to look at, but I mean, completely distorted with rage. It means his physical features changed. So let's just use our imaginations for just a second. If it were to look, it could probably look something like this, you know? We all know, well, do we all know Bruce Banner and the Avengers and the Incredible Hulk? If you don't, man, you have some homework to do this week. So, you know, Bruce Banner is this doctor and he's this normal guy, but when rage hits him, he completely changes. He, he grows larger and he turns green and, well, he's just not a happy fella. 
And I'm not saying that King Nebuchadnezzar turned green and grew and whatever, but he, he was so distorted with rage that his features completely changed. I think he really needs Jesus. <laughs> but to think that there's so much pride in him because he was, he was filled with such rage because of his pride. All because these men refused to bow down and worship this gold statue that he had made. And because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused twice, the king's rage went up a little higher. He decided that the furnace wasn't hot enough. And so it had to be kicked up seven times hotter than normal. Now you're thinking, how on earth did they turn this fire up? They didn't have a dial back then to be like, okay, that's seven times hotter. But I read some statements uh, just to kind of get a better understanding of this. And they talked about how seven is a number of completion. And so in thinking about this furnace being turned seven times, being heated seven times hotter, it just means that it was heated to the max. All we need to know is this furnace was hot. The hottest it's ever been. It was so hot that when the guards threw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the guards died. I don't think that I'd want that job. You know, I think the other guards were thinking, I think I need to find a different vocation because this isn't turning out so well. (laughs) So just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fire, they did nothing to deserve it other than refusing to worship anyone or anything other than their God. The fire came and there was nothing they can do to avoid it. You know, there are some things in life that we can be sure of, and this is one of them. Fires will come. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with this fire, you know, we have our own types of fires. Anyone that who's ever lived has been through the fire, so to speak. Not a literal fire. I mean, if you had, well, I'm sorry for you. But I'm talking about figurative fires, hard seasons of life. In those seasons of life, no one wants to embrace them. It's the last thing we want to do. They're so uncomfortable. But you know what? There's nothing we can do to avoid those times. Plain and simple, life happens and fires come. Now there's this instant type of responses that we have as people, whether we're believers or not, um, whenever the fi- we're faced in the fires. It's something like, why is this happening to me? I've done nothing to deserve this. God must not love me. I'm a good person. This isn't right. We tend to give reasons why fire should not come our way. Become overwhelmed by our circumstances. And I don't believe as people we fully know how to respond. We don't have the words to, um, to say in the face of fire. But we live in a sinful world. You know, when we started this um, message series, Once Upon a Time, our first week was talking about creation. And in that creation, God created Adam and Eve, and he gave them one command. You can enjoy everything, except do not eat of the fruit of the tree of life. They disobeyed, and because of that one decision that they, they made, it affected all of creation. Sin entered the world. It affects every one of us. Affects our lives. There's no exception. The 
fires of life happen to the, do the result of our, can happen due to our own sinful action. It can happen because of a sinful action of another person or just because we live in a fallen world. John 16, says, Here on earth you will have many trials and many sorrows. Did you catch it? Will. You will have. As people in general, we are not promised this picture-pretty, pain-free life. It's just not real. And as believers, we're definitely not promised that. Jesus tells us that we will have trial, trials, and we will have many sorrows. Man, don't you feel encouraged this morning? <laughs> I'm sure everyone here could talk about the fires of life that they've experienced those hard seasons that they've had to go, go through. Maybe you're in your one, maybe you are in one now. But one thing we must be really careful of when we share our stories about those fires, uh, the times we've been through the fire, those hard seasons, is that we don't compare our hard to someone else's hard. And we have to be careful that we don't belittle someone else's hard just because it doesn't look like ours. The hardest season of my life happened on the mission field. This isn't something I ever shared in the newsletter. It's not something I ever shared with churches. Very few people know about my story. And why don't I share about it? Because we don't understand. The church in North America doesn't get it. We in the church tend to think that mission, missionary life is blissful. We think, we tend to romanticize missions. Oh, what they're doing is so great. I can't even be, tell you the number of times when I would come back to the States and I would run into people. They would have this big smile on their face and they would be like, don't you just love it? Are you kidding me? Sometimes, maybe? Like, I never knew what to say. And I'm not very good at hiding my emotions, so I'm sure that my response was just staring at them. I'm sure I cringed a little bit and tried to, like, search for words, like, what do I say? This is so awkward. Hyde was a supporting church of mine when I was on the mission field. So some of you know my story. You know where I was at. Um, I left the States in August of 2012, and I went to Costa Rica for a year at language school, and then I went to Ecuador. Here's what you don't know. <laughs> you know, I, well, wait, I got ahead of myself for a second. I waited eight years to go to the mission field. When God said go, I was ready. I was excited. Let's get this started. But I had no idea the hard season I was about to enter into. Now there's an extended version of this story and very few people know it. So I'm only gonna share you the very, very short version. The first two years of my missionary life were incredibly hard. I'm gonna spare a lot of the details because there are things that people in the, in the States, they just don't get, they don't understand and they tend to brush it off as nothing. In those two years, I endured a lot of fear and anxiety, as well in uh, feeling this overwhelming sense of identity loss. All the things that I was good at were down the tubes, <laughs> or that's how I felt. I struggled with worth. I was navigating a new culture and a new language, and life was just weird. I felt alone, I felt forgotten, and I was just struggling. 
There were a lot of days I cried asking God to make life easier. I felt like there was this vice just around me squeezing tight. And before this time, I used to sing all the time. But during the hard season, I lost my song. It was too hard to sing. Life was just really hard. And there were times where I felt like that season was never going to end. The fires of life or hard seasons are far from fun. It's not something we say, sign me up. Mm -mm. But you know what? There is something that can happen in the fire that can help us. So let's look back at Daniel chapter 3. I don't think verse 23 is up there, but we're going to start backtrack just to verse 23 real quick, and then we're going to read to verse 25. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell down in the roaring flames. But suddenly, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie these three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, they said, we did indeed, your majesty. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames, and the fourth looks like a divine being. All right, let's just be real for a second. Doesn't this make you want to, like, scratch your head? What just happened here? The men were thrown into an extremely hot furnace. I mean, the guards died that threw them in. There is no way on earth that these men should have survived. Like, this defies all logic. However, these three men were not tied up anymore. They were not hurt by the flames, and they were walking around. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I wonder if they were skipping. Like, shown off a little bit? I really don't know if they were. I don't know their motive of their heart. But, you know, anyways. But, I mean, they were walking around this furnace. That's just weird. It shouldn't have happened. And there was a fourth being with them? Wow. If there's something that we can be sure of, it's this. God is faithful in the fire. God is faithful in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew their God. He knew that he would be, they knew that he would be with them. Let's just look back at verse 17 real quick. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. Now, there is a next statement. It says, but even if he doesn't. But the point I want to make is that they knew their God. They knew that he was able. They knew what he was capable of. They knew that he could rescue them from the fire. And we know that God is faithful because he met them. And other people saw that. God is completely faithful to us in our fires, in those hard seasons of life. You may feel alone, but let me just say, that feeling is from the enemy. And if there's one thing I know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, is that God is faithful. And when the enemy tells you you're alone, you need to tell enemy where to go. There's a phrase that I like to say. I don't know if we can say it in church. Jess, do you think I can? The one I texted you this morning? Okay. So I really, like, I want to make a t-shirt that says this, guys. If anybody wants to make one for me, oh, please do. I like the color purple. Okay. So 
there are times where like I can feel the enemy at work this morning I even felt it I woke up with a headache after breakfast my stomach was hurting I told Jess I said not today Satan you need to suck it <laughs> all right can we have an amen <laughs> all right you can take that phrase into the bank with you this week as you're faced with the trials of life okay just tell the Satan to suck it because he has no power over you God is faithful in the fire you guys all right. Okay. <laughs> so going back to my story, life was hard. Those first two years, they were so hard. I never thought it was going to be let up. And there were so many times I cried asking God to take it away. But you know what? There was something else that was happening in that season I didn't mention before. So even though it was a hard season, I knew that I needed to be proactive and surround myself with, with truth. I needed to be sure of something that was unchanging in my life. I needed to remember who God was. And I needed to know what he said about me. So I wrote out scripture. I put them all over my wall. I mean, my wall was plastered. And I made sure that I read those verses every day because I needed to remember who God was. And there's often times, I mean, if you were in my apartment, you probably thought I was crazy, but I'm reading these scriptures to myself because I needed to hear those words with my own mouth. But you know, there was one day when the pressure seemed too much. I found myself on the floor talking out loud to God. I was being real. I was being honest. I was being raw with God. Just telling him, God, this is so hard. When is it going to end? Seriously, God, when is it going to end? And I knew that I needed to remember who God was. And then I just started saying, God, you are good. You are holy. You are near. You are faithful. You are loved. You are true. You are good. You are good. You are good. Even though life is really hard right now and I really don't like it, you are good and I know you will carry me through. There's something powerful that happens when you are intentional about putting truth in your life. You are remembering who God is. God will bring change. It may not seem like a big change. It's more of a gradual thing that happens. But that gradual shift is, that gradual change is enough to cause a shift to happen. In. in his book, A Grace Disguise, How the Soul Grows Through Loss, Gerald Lawson says, the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun in the light of day is not to run way west chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunshine. It's pretty good, huh? It's so natural for us to want to run after the sunrise. Oh, I'm going to catch it. No, you're not. You're always going to be in the dark. But for those brave people that know who their God is, that are willing to turn around and walk the opposite direction, the sun will come. It will rise again. And you'll be okay. It's so hard to embrace those dark times, the fire, those hard seasons in our life. We think that no good can come of them. 
And sometimes it seems as if we are faced with one fire after the next. But if we are willing to plunge into the fire, know that we do not go it alone, knowing that God is faithful and that he will use it for his glory, something powerful is really going to happen in that season, and we don't even know it. So this is what happened in the fire, after the fire that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in. We're going to continue in Daniel um, chapter 3, verses 26 through the end of the chapter. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the, prin- the princes, prefects, governors, advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, pay attention to this, guys. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue the servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be crushed into heaps of rubble. Okay, again, a bit extreme, a bit of much. <laughs> there is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So if there's another thing that we can be sure of is that the fire experience will bring change. Now, there are two types of changes that can happen through the fire. So the first is that we will let the fire destroy us and rip us apart from God. And that will take us down a dark path that God does not intend us to go down. Well, God does not cause the fires to happen in our life. He can use them for our good if we let him. So that would mean that the second type of change that can happen is if we remember who God is, that we remember that he is a faithful God, that we are not alone, and that he will carry us through. And that change that happens in us will make us more holy, will make us more like Jesus, and it will bring healing in your life. So what happened to me and my fire? Hmm, so glad you asked. So I came out of the fire completely exhausted, but God was at work because he changed me. He brought great healing in my life. And I will add that I did have an amazing Christian counselor to walk through it, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm an advocate for Christian counseling. If you need help in your fire of life, reach out. God has gifted him some amazing Christian counselors to walk with you so you're not alone. Through my healing, God made me a different person. I remember saying to my counselor, 
I've never seen life like this before. That's God, you guys. The depth of change that came into my life might not have happened had it been for that fire, that hard season I went through. I would never want to repeat it again. No way, no thank you. Am I grateful for what God did it did through it? Absolutely. And I will even go, go so far to say it was worth it. It was worth it. God wants to bring change, healing, and restoration into our lives. Sometimes those, sometimes those things come through the hard seasons. The work he does in us during those hard seasons is unlike any other work he will do in us in our normal seasons. God makes a change in us so that we can reflect more of his glory. 2 Corinthians 2, 17 through 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, he gives freedom. And all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. I think we need to read that again. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, he gives freedom. And all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. That's what it's about, guys. It's about knowing him, letting him work in us to make us holy so that we reflect him. So that others can see that glory, his glory in us, and want to know him too. Because people are watching our lives. If they know that we are in Christ, they are watching. And they are definitely watching your life when you are going through those hard seasons. How are you going to respond? Are you still going to praise God? Are you going to still walk with him? They are watching you in those fiery times. They're watching to see the change that's going to happen in you. Be brave, guys. Plunge in. Know that he is faithful. Know that he will work it for his, for his glory. That he will reflect more of himself in you because of the fire. The eyes of around us are watching our lives. Not too long after my hard season, um, I was still in Ecuador, I was at my teammate's house and my friend Lori in her kitchen had all these Bible verses on her cabinets. <laughs> And I commented to her about it. And she said, Sherry, I saw the change God made in you, and I realized that I needed to let God do a deeper work in my life. I only tell you this to boast about who he is and what he did in my life. I want my life to bring glory to God. I want other people, I want my testimony to to spur people on, because guys, he is good, he is faithful.
He will use our fires. He will use those hard seasons, whether we realize it or not, to spur others on in their faith. Friends, I don't know what you're facing, but let me encourage you. You're not alone. God is faithful. Allow him to plunge you into the hard season so that you can find that sunrise again. So that you can be made new. That you can be made whole. That you can find healing. And that you can reflect more of his glory. You can only make it knowing that God is faithful to you. I'm a firm believer that there's something special that happens in our soul whenever we sing praises to him. So I just thought it would be appropriate to end our time together singing about God's faithfulness. So as we sing it, we're going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness because it's so appropriate. But as we sing, take whatever posture you need to. If you need to stand and raise your hands, do it. If you need to sit and be quiet and talk to God, do it. If you need to come to the altar and just lay down, whatever it is you're feeling, do it. Let God do something in you as we sing. Now we're going to do this out without music, guys, and I'm sure we can handle it. So, <laughs> join with me as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.
Father, we are in awe of who you are. Great is your faithfulness to us, God. God, you did not create us to go through life without you. You promised that you would always be there, that you would never forsake us. God, we give you praise and glory today for who you are. God, thank you for walking with us through those times of fire. God, thank you for using those times to make us more like your son, Jesus. God, I think of those that are here this morning that may be going through a fire right now. Speak to them, God. Remind them who you are. Remind them who they are in Christ. God, help them on their journey. Help them to be bold and brave and to step into the darkness so that the sunrise will come again. God, for those that are here this morning that do not know you, and may be going through a fire, I pray, God, that they would just reach out to you, knowing that you can save, because there is no one like you. God, we lay down our lives this morning. Be king of our lives. Reign in us, God. Do work in us that brings so much glory to your name that people can't help but notice the change in us. God, you are good. You are true. You are holy. You reign supreme. Thank you, God for your presence. Thank you for doing a work here this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. You guys are dismissed.